This is Joel Johnson, Senior Minister at Parkview Christian Church. I want to thank you for listening to our sermons online. If you have any questions, feel free to contact me by email at joeljohnson at parkviewfinley.org. You have been a vital partner of Asia Christian Services for many years. Thank you. Your prayers and gifts have enabled ACS evangelists and missionaries to share God's love and grace to a broken world in Southeast Asia. Asia Christian Services empowers Asian missionaries to reach the unreached, plant new churches, and disciple believers. ACS has determined to do what it can to reach the last 50 unreached tribes in Myanmar. We have now established churches in 13 of those unreached tribes. Part of our philosophy for evangelism is to, quote, not go on a missionary trip empty-handed, end quote. Pre-evangelism guides us to, whenever possible, try to take something to help before sharing the gospel. This could include, for example, bringing nutritious food, medical care, or first aid supplies, always followed, of course, by sharing the gospel. Projects we are involved in include church planting, evangelism in remote areas, leadership seminars, discipleship training, women's seminars, preschools for Buddhist children, schools for refugee children, Bible college support, Bible translation, medical aid through a clinic in the North, radio broadcasts in eight tribal languages, drilling wells, food relief, flood relief, and a brand new Naga training center. Three huge hardships are over the people of Myanmar right now. First, the global pandemic has shut down most things in the country. Churches and schools are just now reopening. Second, internal civil war has continued for many years, killing tens of thousands of people and displacing them within the country or forcing them to be refugees. ACS workers are being a light when possible in those hard situations by helping with food, wells, and shelter. Third, the military seized control of the government and took away leadership from the people and their democracy. Protesting and bloodshed is filling the streets. Please pray for the people of Myanmar that peace will come. Pray for the Christians that they will remain safe and continue to be a light in this dark land. The gospel continues to grow through seeds of kindness shown by our evangelists who love God and love others. Thank you for your generosity and your support. Good morning to you. It's a delight to be with you today. You have uh, been faithful supporters of our mission for many, many years. Just as a brief overview for those of you who don't know, but about uh, ACS uh, is a mission of Asians that we support. Now, they're the fruit of Americans that went to do work there many years ago, but uh, all Americans and all Westerners were kicked out in the mid-60s, and so uh, Asia Christian Services 
is, a, is an agency that helps the ones that le were left behind to move further into the country. Now, just what does that mean? The country has over 150 different tribal groups, over 200 different languages, and uh, the majority of them uh, are animist or Buddhist in their background. But uh, Asia Christian Services has targeted over the last uh, 10 years the last 50 unreached tribes. That means no one in that tribe had become a Christian. And we're focusing on reaching them. And we've got, uh, it said in the video 13, we now have 14 villages or tribes that we've started churches in, in those, in those areas using Asian workers that we support from the United States. So that's, that's what our mission is, just briefly. Now, where did it come from? <clears throat> well, my wife's grandparents, just after they were married and just had a new child, heard a missionary from the other side of the world who was at Tibet. And he created the plight of what was going on over there, the lost people that were far from God. And he made an appeal and said, who will come help us in Tibet? And Marcia's grandparents said, we'll go. We'll do that. Now, that was 1921. That's 102 years ago. And they went to Tibet, and they were there until they couldn't stay in Tibet because of danger, and ended up in western China. And they were there until Mao Zedong came to power in 1949. And then they all relocated to northern Burma and were there until 1965 when the military had taken over the government and booted out all the Westerners. So that's been the family origin. Uh, Marsha's cousins relocated into northern Thailand. But Marsha's dad started a mission that reaches all of Southeast Asia and fuels Asians to do missionary work. And so that's, that's been the history of our family and our, of our, what we did. I ended up in uh, the role that I'm in because I married into the family. I married Laverne Morris's firstborn. And uh, over time, the baton was handed to Marsh and I to take over as he is now uh, an occupant of heaven. So it's a, it's a long, long story. <clears throat> the scripture that I want to talk about this morning is from uh, Acts chapter 1. There we go. Verse 8, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now that is an assignment passage that was given to the church. It was given to you and I, it was given to the 12 apostles on that first day, and it has been the marching orders and the plan for reaching the world that has been used since that day till now. Now, it starts out with the word power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So it's not about human power. It's not about even obedience. It's about God's going to do something. He intends to do it. He's doing it. And he's done it. And almost half the world now claims Christianity as, a, as its basis. That's an amazing thing. That happened because of the power of God alive in the world. 
But he said, this is the plan. Start with Jerusalem, then Judea and Samaria, and then the uttermost parts of the earth, the ends of the earth. And so that has been translated simply, start here, go near, and go far. Here, near, far away. That's been the plan from then till now. And that's what we've been doing. And so that's the way this starts. This has been the missionary plan forever, and I think it will be until Jesus comes back again. But the key word that he uses in here is, you will be my witnesses. Now, that's, that's a fun word. So what is a witness? Now, so this is a dictionary definition. A witness is someone who has knowledge relevant to an event or other matter of interest. In law, a witness is someone who provides testimonial evidence for what he or she knows about the matter before some official authorized to make such testimony. Sounds like a dictionary. But we understand what it means. When you are a witness, you have a story. And you tell what you know to the people you're witnessing to. This is what I know. All of us have a story. We've all accepted Christ. We're all Christians. We have all determined to follow Christ in our life. And so that gives us a way to have a testimony, to have a witness. Now, you might say, well, I'm not comfortable. I'm just not, see, it's hard for me. A witness is just a story. It's not anything more than that. And our story has three parts, and everybody has the same three parts. Simply put, I used to be this way, and then I met Christ, and he changed my life, and now I live this way. And that's the witness that all of us have, everyone, all billions of us on the earth that follow Christ. We all have the same formula for telling our story, even though our story is unique to us. So, what does this mean? Where is here? What does here mean? If the witness is our, is our testimony, we're going to give it, and we're going to give it here, near, and far away. What is here? Well, for you, here is the circle around this church. It uh, has to do with your city, Finley. has to do with your neighborhood. Across the street, you have somebody living, and beside them are two houses, and then beside you are two houses. And there's like a little neighborhood right there. You have a little place. That's your place, a place to hear your witness. Uh, those are your neighbors. Because of the benefit of having a church right here, after you give your witness, it's your benefit to say, come and see. Now, that's in the Bible, too. When uh, Andrew saw Jesus, he told Peter and said, come and see. Come and see for yourself. Come and see. And so that is our situation, and it's all of our situation. Uh, here you have Finley. Where I live in Cincinnati, I have Mason, where I live. And where we work in Southeast Asia, every church we start in Southeast Asia has the same, same plan. 
the same assignment, the same idea. We are to be a witness here, near, and far away. Now, what does near mean? Well, near is not here, but it's close by. So for you, that would be maybe greater Hancock County or Sandusky or Bowling Green or Lima or Wapakoneta. Places near, but not here. And the difference is when you have a witness there, you can't easily call him to come back here to go to church or to hear more testimony in this place. And so they've got to find a place close to that to find more about Christ. So here and near are both really important. But what do you do there? Well, well, Jesus, on his, in his first time that he preached at the church, at the synagogue, excuse me, where he grew up, he quoted this passage from Isaiah chapter 61. He said this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus used this text out of Isaiah 61 to frame up what he was going to be about while he was on the earth. That's interesting. Proclaim good news to the poor. Proclaim freedom for the prisoners. Recovery of sight for the blind. And set the oppressed free. And the year of the Lord's favor. Later on in his ministry years, John the Baptist sent his disciples to Jesus and said, are you really the one or should we be looking for someone else? Jesus just said, tell John, I'm proclaiming good news to the poor, sending freedom to the prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind, set the oppressed free, and proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus said, that's what I'm about. That's what I do. And so when we go near, what are we supposed to do? Well, these things. This is what we do. We can work in prison. We can work with the poor. We can work in some other social service agency. In Jesus' name, for the sake of being a witness for Christ in a powerful way. We are called to be witnesses here, near, and far away. So what does far away mean? Well, it means far away. It means beyond near. It's the other side of the world. Uh, <clears throat> on your board out there behind the coffee, I saw you had all your mission agencies listed. And you've got agencies in every continent. Oh, they're all far away. Europe, Africa, South America, Asia, and North America. Far away, farther than Wapakoneta, farther away, <laughs> out there. I uh, just got back from a trip to Asia, and uh, my plane flight was over 30 hours. It's far away. It's hard. It's far away. You don't get there quickly, easily. Uh, <clears throat> but going far away really has two different parts of the assignment. 
Some of us cannot do that. So we can be senders. But some can be goers. They can say, yes, I can go. I will go. That's like Marcia's grandparents years ago and like her parents and her aunts and uncles. They were all goers. I have a really good story about that. When we lived in Las Vegas, I was on staff of a big church out there. And one of the guys that was employed uh, by the church and worked in my watch, his name was Dan Perryman. It's one of the most amazing going stories that I know. I'll just tell you briefly. He uh, and his wife, after a whole lot of missionary uh, investigation that we were doing in the church, determined that he felt called to go to Muslims far away. Now, this was just after 9-11. And so it was a very dangerous time for us as Americans thinking about working with uh, those on the other side of the world. And Dan said to me one day, he said, I want to go to Iran. And I thought, I don't know about that. And then as we worked it out with the elders in the church, we determined that was not where we wanted to see Dan and Darla go. But the people that had started the Taliban were part of a tribal group that was in northern India. And we had great relationships with the country of India. So Dan and Darla determined they would go to that people group in northern India. They spoke a particular language. And after doing some research, Dan found that the United States had taken on a bunch of immigrants who spoke that language. And they had all collected themselves in Philadelphia. So Dan and Darla and their children sold everything they had in Las Vegas, and they moved to Philadelphia for a year. Uh, Dan had found some other young couples that were willing to go with them. And so three or four of these young couples were all gathered together in Philadelphia, sending their kids to the same schools as all these Muslim kids. They were going to the same mosque. They were doing life together with those people. After about a year, Dan and the other guys, there were four all together, they all went to India to that people group in a city called Metal City, uh, northeast Delhi. And they uh, walked the streets praying for the people in that city and praying to meet a man of peace, which is what Jesus said. Always when you go somewhere, look for a man of peace. So they were praying to meet this person. And during the three weeks they were there, they met someone. Dan spent an hour and a half talking to this fellow who had been a pilgrim from that city and gone to Mecca and was an elder basically in the mosque. And Dan came back super excited because he felt like that's where God was sending them. So Dan and Darla closed up everything they had in Philadelphia, packed up suitcases, flew to India, got a taxi, and had the taxi drop them off at that man's house. Now, he didn't have an invitation from that man or anything. He just went there. He was leaning into a custom that he knew was part of the Muslim culture that they always practice hospitality and never, have, never don't welcome a stranger. So Dan knocked on the door. The man opened the door. And of course, uh, recognized him and invited him in, offered them tea, and then after a brief little conversation said, so why are you here? 
And Dan pulled a letter out of his pocket that the elders of our church had written for him with his coaching that appealed to the Oman of, of the mosque that the, the Oman would offer Dan hospitality for 30 days while he found his way to the market and found a place to live permanently with his family because he was there to start a business in that town. Now, Dan had invented a cookie that he could sell that would fit in with their culture. And so he was going to build a factory and do cookies in this place where he was going. Well, the, the fellow stood up from uh, their conversation, left the room, and then came back with his wife and said, well, our Oman is gone for a month, but we've decided that you will stay with us. So that day, he and his family all moved into one room, and Dan and his kids moved into the other and lived with them for a month and became dear friends. And that fellow became Dan's first convert in that city. Now, that is going beyond and above and beyond anything that I've ever tried to experience, and I don't think I have enough courage to do something like that. But sending or going is our assignment. And that's what we do on the other side of the world. It is far away. It is too much to offer to think less than that. This past week, I got back from a trip overseas. It was, I got back on the 23rd and, uh, of September. And there are several really cool things that happened I want to tell you about because they're far away. But they're they're also here and near to people who are there. I uh, want to introduce you to a fellow. His name is Yu Joel Thine. Yu Joel Thine. Yul Joel is a Bible college graduate who went and started a church in a place called Rakhine State. And because of the current government situation, which is uh, 19, in 2021, the uh, military government uh, lost an election, and so the next, on the first day of the parliament, they dismissed the parliament, arrested all the key leaders, and put them all in prison. And they declared war on the country. So the entire country is at war with the military. Tatmadaw, they're called. And uh, this fellow uh, had his village bombed and burned including his, his house and his, his church. Uh, is, he's just one of over 3,000 villages that have been bombed and burned since 2001. And the people group that he was working with were the Mro people. Now, the Mro uh, were at the bottom of the food chain of the 150 tribes uh, several years ago, but ACS missionaries went and started working there and had breakthrough, even so that the chief of the Moreau came to Christ. And so about 40% of the tribe is led to Christ that we know of, as best we can tell through the measurements that they have. Well, this fellow and a bunch of Moreau headed east to get out of danger and ended up in just north of Yangon, the capital, and uh, a village there showed mercy on them and gave them a place, a field, one of the fields that they did rice, grew rice. 
and the crew landed there. There's about 300 families now in this refugee camp. It's called an ID, IDP, an in, uh, uh, internally displaced people group. They're not refugees because they didn't leave the country. They're just there. Joel Stein had some Christians that ended up with him, but the majority of this 300 families were lost people, Buddhist. He's had over 60 baptisms since he's been there. And he's established a big church. We were able to give a small donation, $10,000, for him to build a building. Built a building. And I got to go see the church that he'd gathered. And distribute some things to them. Some food and some other supplies. And bless them. They're all refugees. They don't have a place to live anymore. They've lost everything. They're living in this field that a kind uh, head of a vill another village made available. I was shocked by this group. Look at this picture. Men are hard to lead to Christ in Myanmar. Look at that group of men. This is part of the people he's been baptizing and leading in this, in this place. And I got to meet this lady who was there. She was a Bible college graduate and went to Rakhine State, and she was a school teacher. Her school was bombed. So she became a refugee just like everybody else, and she found this village, found this group of people. And so she, because of this little building, she started a school. She has 42 students. Now, that may sound amazing or not amazing, but uh, if you are a refugee, even internally, you are not allowed to send your kids to school. That's part of the government's overall plan at this moment. So these kids would grow up without school, but not so. She's there. She's got a school. He's got a church. They have converts. They're doing their work. And far for them was just into the next state, or two states away from where they used to live. And they had to leave because they were refugees. But it doesn't stop them. They're full of joy in what they're doing. Happy to be alive and well. Second story is about this fellow. His name is Joseph Naw. And I got to preach at his church. He, uh, he's got an interesting story. As a young man, he became addicted to drugs and did some bad things and ended up in prison for 10 years. In prison, he accepted Christ, dedicated himself to make a difference with the, the least and the lost. And so Myanmar, like other places, not only has refugees, but it also has homeless people, just homeless people. Some have mental illness, but many just are poor, very poor. Well, a regional leader in the state where Yangon is gave a plot of ground for homeless people to set up, I guess you would call it a slum. And, that, and over a thousand families have moved into this area. Joseph determined that's where he was going to go to plant a church. The least of these. And I got to preach at his church. It was full of people. He's baptized tons of people. I don't know how many. Uh, this was the worship band. 
They're all youth. They sang with more energy than I knew what to do. It was exciting in every way. But as I'm there, going to preach, having experienced worship, looking at the crowd, I looked over, and there's Joseph and his two daughters, full of joy, full of life, loving God in the middle of the slum, having a great life together. It's exciting. It was fun to see. Now, as I talked to him later, I found out he also has an older son, and that son is away in Bible college studying to be a preacher. So in every way, the gospel's working here, near, and far away. And for us, far is over there. For them, far is just the next state. But it doesn't matter. This is the plan of God. It has been, it is, it will be in the days ahead. So what? Well, our assignment is be a witness where we are. You start right in your neighborhood. Start with your neighbors. Maybe it's time to have somebody over for a cookout or something. That's where we start. We're a witness where we are. Near is something somewhere not far away. It could be our county or nearby cities. Your time, talents, and treasures can make a difference, boosting some other one, some other worker, some other mission, some other agency, and help them to be a good witness for Christ. And far. Well, maybe you could pioneer a new work like Dan and Darla did, but probably not. That's only for a few. But you can be a sender. You've been a sender with ACS for many years, and I don't know how many. But we're grateful in every way for all you've done. It has made a difference. We fuel the funds into the workers and the workers go and preach the gospel and plant new churches. The 150 tribes that are in the, the country, we made a list a while back of the last 50 tribes that had never heard the gospel. And we know that only because of pe people, Christians that keep records, keep records of all the peoples in the world. There's a thing you can look online called the Joshua Project. Look up every country. And Myanmar, the last 50 tribes, we identified. And over the last 10 years, we have now started churches intentionally in 14 of those last 50 unreached tribes. Now, there's still more to go. But the impact is great. And there's still time because of this scripture I'm going to read to you. The assignment will not be finished until this is done. Revelation 7, 9 through 12. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language. Standing before the throne and before the Lamb, they were wearing white, white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell down on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. 
Praise and glory and worship and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Now, the key to this verse for us and this message today is in that first sentence. After I looked, there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. I know that in Burma, just one country, there's at least 30 tribes that aren't represented around the throne today. There is a, a group, Joshua Project. They've identified about 3,000 that have only a few or no church in that tribe around the world. There are many places that have not yet heard the name of Jesus once. In fact, it could be as many as 3 billion people on the planet have not yet heard the name of Jesus once. They're not going to be around the throne. But our assignment has not changed from day one. Be my witness. Here, near, and far away. The Holy Spirit will give you the power you need to do what needs to be done. The assignment won't be finished until then. So, so what? Pioneer a new work by going? Be a witness to the poor in your area? That's what we're to be about in every day. Let me pray for you as we finish today. Father, thank you for all that you've done for us. Thank you that you have seen fit to show us grace and let us hear the gospel and obey and have hope of eternal life. We are grateful for all you have done in us, and we thank you for what you've done through Parkview Church. This has been an amazing place for reaching the lost around the world. Thank you for the generosity and, and the hope that has been given to so many because we've determined to be senders and make a difference. Father, thank you for all these things. And now as we look at our lives and our neighborhoods, give us courage to be men and women who are willing to give a witness anytime we possibly can to all you've done for us. Thank you, Lord, for all these things. Pray now in Jesus' name. Amen.